Good morning, LBC Radio. My name is Corey Rosen, and I'm with the Story Podcast today. I have on two super awesome guests, but before we get into that, we have some merchandise for sale. If you want to support us, we have stickers and hoodies with the logo on the front and the first 50 guests on the back. That includes these two gentlemen, the Kaleidoscope. Ben Roth is from Nazareth, PA, and John Smith is from York, PA. And they've been at their current location in Lancaster for almost eight years, recording bands from in and outside the central PA area. And they've hosted bands playing live shows in the studio from all over the U.S. and a few from outside the U.S. Ben, John, how are you guys doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, man. So, um, and this is a question for either of you. What got you inspired to do music? What was it that got you really into doing music? Was it like making your own mixtapes as a kid or what was it uh for me it was a lot of different reasons but it sort of felt like a thing that I had to do and I just really you know loved working together with you know my closest friends and and creating and and just having a good time and you know uh after a couple of years of trying to do like the normal thing and get you know think about what career I was going to go into it just seemed like the move to to stick with music and here we are. Yeah. Is this the same thing for you? Mine was a similar story in Nazareth, PA, uh, making mixtapes off the radio, playing a couple instruments as a kid. My folks were both musical and supported me to get into it and my enthusiasm for it. And it just kind of unfolded naturally, kept at it, and it became a job. That's awesome. So did you guys go for college for this stuff, or was it just a, a natural progression of learning? I went to community college after high school for audio recording and then played in a couple bands that got to do some touring and recording with some engineers that were really inspiring to me and got me excited about the process. Yeah, pretty much the the same for me as well. I uh, went to community college for a short time uh, and the, the, the goal being to, you know, start a studio and, and figure out how to make all that work. And, you know, by the time I was done with my associate's degree I met Ben and we started started the kaleidoscope so there was like no gap in between but you know learned a lot through that and learned a lot together you know throughout the years just just doing it and picking stuff up along the way so did you guys both uh do it on your own first and then come together or like did you record your own bands or your own stuff or yeah we both started separately from each other but most of our experience has happened together in the same room. So that's been really cool to, you know, have somebody to figure stuff out with and, and grow with and, I'm sure. you know, shoot ideas back and forth with. I'm sure uh, doubling, out, doubling out the rent is probably probably a lot nicer, too. That That's a, one, of the, one of the reasons that, you know, it started out that way anyway, because it was like, you know, we went into it with, uh, you know, whatever whatever gear I have, whatever gear you have throw it all in a room, see what we got, see what we need. We took it all on and, and had no like initial debt or, or anything to, get, to go with it. So you know, we compiled all of our resources, and that was enough to get started right away. That's awesome. So how did you start getting the word out that you guys were a studio and a recording studio? Between the two of us, uh, we know a lot of like-minded local folks who play music, uh, so just posting a lot on social media about the space, bringing people into the space around town, like going out and 
uh, seeing bands that we like, talking to them about our space. Oh, cool. We're like two blocks away if you want to come check it out. Uh, we were hosting shows for a while, and that brought in a lot of people from the general area who probably otherwise wouldn't have seen the space. Uh, so, you know, get them in there to see their friend's band or someone like that. And they're like, oh, cool. I had no idea this was here. What is it? Oh, well, it's a studio. You want to check out some of our stuff? It's right here. Uh, yeah, sort of snowballed. That's actually one of the reasons that we ever started hosting live bands there was to get, you know, different bands and different people in to, to see the space. But a lot of it's definitely just introducing yourself and 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 showing people the space and showing them what you do and, you know, trying to see if you're a good fit to, to you know, work together with somebody. We actually have a session today uh, with somebody that I just uh, worked on one song mastering a while back and I just really love the song. And I, you know, I was like, hey, why don't you come out to the studio and I'll show you around. Maybe we can, you know, have a beer, uh, and you know, show showed him some work, and he loved what he saw and loved what he heard. So, you know, we booked a you know, a bunch of days this week with him, and we've been working with him as well. So it's just, just simply, you know, wanting to talk to people. Yeah, it's a lot of word of mouth as well. Projects yeah. that we've worked on are people that have had a good experience who would recommend us to family or friends, uh, and just. That's been a big help as well. We haven't done much in the way of traditional advertising or like none, like never business once. cards or flyers or anything like that. It's all just kind of been like people in the know talking about it and sending more our way. We still got to put our website together. Yes, the oh, website. <laughs> our Spotify playlist, I think, suffices. That's our website. Yep, that's everything you need to know. Yeah, if you want to check out their Spotify playlist, definitely check out. It's in the description, also with their Facebook page and all that other jazz for sure. Um, so, how do you guys know who's a good fit for you guys? How do you decipher that? Is that is it in terms of style? Is it in terms of just the people themselves or what? I'd say yeah, it's like a style and philosophy for me. Uh, you know, because even if I love the style, if you know you don't mesh with the the people specifically you know it can still be kind of a, a hard fit but there's a there's all kinds of different things that go into it i think generally i can find something i like in almost any project as long as the people feel like good people you know no uh like misogynistic or racist or homophobic vibes uh other than that, I could pretty much find anything enjoyable to work with or find something that I like about any project. What are you guys' uh, favorite parts of a project? Like favorite, is it the recording? Is it the mastering? Is it the mixing? For me, it's definitely been mixing lately. Uh, but it's something that, I don't know, kind of comes across very like solving a puzzle-like. Mm. And I really like that aspect of it. You know, having having something needing to get to a certain point and figuring out how to do that. It's been really like challenging and, and gratifying for me. My favorite part is usually tracking and, you know, trying out different instruments or different ways of performing a take until we find something that really excites everybody and makes everybody feel good. That's sort of my favorite part of the process. For those who don't know, explain to me the process of recording a song. Like the what is the process of how do you get an idea into a track? So sometimes there's essentially two ways. There's like 
the casual way, which is, you know, somebody comes in with a song, they just kind of like tell us about it or show us a, a demo, and we do our best to recreate that idea as they see it right away. Uh, and then there's uh, one way to do it where there's uh, pre-production involved, where we'll hear the songs, they'll play the songs, we'll talk about them, we'll adjust structure, throw out different ideas, and really like start to wrap our head around uh, what needs to happen every step of the way. So then from there, there's usually demos that happen, whether it's just like on a cell phone or uh, more solidified demos, and then start building from there, you know, with start tracking the drums and then everything else gets done separately to that uh, until until the whole idea is realized. And usually there's time towards the end to uh, listen through and, and see if there's any last like finishing touches of auxiliary percussion or synths or anything else to, to throw at it. Uh, and it's like the, the more extensive way, but usually the way that results in the best, you know, possible product at the end. Yeah. Um, I feel like for me personally, the most gratifying experience is where an artist comes in and rather than just say like, here's what I want to do. Here's the demo. I'm going to recreate the demo in here. Mm -hmm. Like someone who's really down to reimagine a couple parts or add additional parts and let us kind of put our touches on it. Um, the collaborative atmosphere that exists in that kind of space makes it really fun. That's awesome. So do you guys work with uh, like total bands or single people, single acts and fill out the band or all of it? Yeah, it's not, it's not, I'd say most of the time it's, it's a full band and everybody has their instrument that they play and, you know, it's a, a big group effort, but sometimes it's, you know, one person that has, has an idea, but doesn't have a band and, you know, we'll usually, you know, hire a friend uh, to, you know, play drums and, you know, we'll play some bass, some guitar, some synths, you know, it becomes like a communal thing where like, oh, you know who would be great to play this, you know, and then we, you know, ask that person if they can come in or if there's like a specific instrument, uh, you know, just like see what's what's out there and kind of make it like a communal thing, which is fun. Yeah, at this point, we're in touch with a lot of artists that we trust to come in on a moment's notice and nail it. That's awesome. No matter what the style or instrument or song or whatever is. So that's been helpful. It's incredible that you can, you've made a space where you can ask people on the whim and they're just like, yeah, man, of course. And they come in and they just knock it out of the park. It's it's incredible to work with musicians like that because yeah. you learn so much. Um, guests we've had previously, like, have you ever guys met Robin Chambers at all? Yeah. Yeah, she will kill it no matter what, no matter what's playing. She's going to kill it. Henry Dvorak, you know him? What's the name? Dev Henry Dvorak, upright bass player. I don't know Henry. No? Oh, you don't know Henry? Henry's awesome. He's a bass player. Uh, Liam Galliano is, is another bass player. You don't know him? That you guys doesn't know sound familiar either. I mean, if if Robin is what you're describing as these yeah, people, yeah, yeah. someone who can sit down and hear it and just know what to do, then those are absolutely the kinds of people that we look for to get involved in projects. Right. And we have like a pretty decent Rolodex of, of go-tos, but... You know, it seems like it keeps growing, so. We're looking at you, Liam. <laughs> What's his last name? Liam Galliano. Yeah, right on. He's an amazing jazz, uh, I would consider him a jazz bassist. 
cool. Nice. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so do you guys play your own music? Do you guys make your own music? Or is it mainly just whatever comes in? Uh, for me, I used to do a lot more of my own stuff. But over the last couple of years, the focus has definitely been more on projects that are coming into the studio. Uh, we play in a band, a couple projects together, I guess. Uh, so we're still doing our own original stuff. But a lot of time is taken by the mm-hmm. work that comes in, and that's the priority because it's what pays the bills mostly. <laughs> Tell me more about your uh, individual band projects. Uh, ben and I play together in a band called You Mean Everyone We Know, uh, and that's uh, something that we just put a record out last year, uh, and we have uh, a tour coming up at the end of the month for a couple of weeks on the East Coast. Uh, and it's like, you know, pop, pop rock. Uh, and then we play in a band called Adam and the Weight lately, uh, which hasn't been as active, uh, but might have a few things coming up. And where can uh, people find the, the first or second projects at so they can follow updates? You'll find them in the link. Find them in the link. We'll link you. Put them in the show notes. Put them yeah. in the show notes. Absolutely. So tell me some of the tips and tricks as, as you guys have learned over the years of, of how to, surely it takes a long time to make a track, right? Yeah. What are some of the t- tips and tricks that you have learned along the way that uh, have helped you shorten that time, but still get a, a good quality product? Uh, I don't know if it's a trick necessarily, but a tip is uh, to like be aware of your scope uh, and like not obsess about something that you know in the end won't matter as much. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, it's like uh, like everything has to be completed at some point, whether it feels like it's complete or not. You know, no song is ever like a hundred percent. It feels like. But at some point, you have to know when it's time to move on to the next step or when it's time to, you know, just say this is done and then move on. You know, even if it's like not 100 percent, but you've learned something that you can apply later on down the road. uh, You know, it's easy to get caught up, uh, you know, changing something about a song every month and then just being like, this isn't good enough. This isn't good enough, Uh, you know, and then just feel like you need to keep changing it over and over again because you're never going to get stuff done and out that way for me it's been a practice of really trying to identify influences that uh the artist is bringing into their songs to sort of find some middle ground like all right this song's reminding me of blah and they'll say like oh yeah like i love that band or i love that song i'm like all right cool like i go home that night and i listen to that stuff and i really try to uh, find the influence or the direction in that artist's song that is reminiscent of that influence uh, and try to sort of like take it from there to add to it to best serve the song. Mm. Tell me some of the the more fun moments that you guys have had, whether they be accidents or just all-out jams or what, what have you. Oh, man. It's a pretty, uh, it's a sort of a vortex of, of good times. <laughs> it's eight years has gone pretty quick. It's been a lot of good times. I mean, for me, that would probably be 
uh, the pre-pandemic uh, New Year's shindigs that we would have. Mm. That was always like a whirlwind of <laughs> of all kinds of different things going on with comedians and bands and friends and you know just seeing everybody and having a good time and seeing everybody have a good time. Yeah, New Year's bashes are definitely at the top of my list. Uh, and pre-pandemic, we used to do a lot more social stuff. We would have record nights. We would have open jams. Uh, yeah, it was just an open door of like-minded folks coming in to spend time with us, enjoy the space, make stuff with us, and it all felt great. So what was it like when the pandemic hit? How did you guys react to that? What did you guys do? Well, the first thing... The first big change was that we stopped hosting shows, which, as we mentioned previously, was like a great way to sort of build goodwill for the space and introduce the community to the space. Uh, but we couldn't, you know, pack a bunch of people into a small room anymore. So that sort of changed the way we started approaching what we did there, even the way we laid out the space. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good way to put it. Uh, it kind of seems like. You know, with with everything, you know, everything moves in like small little steps. And it seemed like when that happened, it was just like, you know, went from all to nothing. And then we just kind of like figured out what we were comfortable with, uh, you know, moving forward from there and, you know, how to how to make sure the, the space was clean and you know, make sure we're having distancing uh, opportunities for people and and just kind of trying to figure it out from there. And, you know, we've built back up the the studio and session side of it, but you know never quite got the other social stuff back. Mm. Uh, it wasn't like a like a calculated thing or anything, but you know just kind of never quite made it back. It seems like at at the point where <laughs> COVID hit, we had to sort of restructure the way we were doing everything. At that point, most people who really like wanted or needed to know that we existed did already. Not that. You know, everyone knows that a studio exists in Lancaster or whatever, but mm -hmm. we'd done a, a pretty solid job, I think, at that point of climbing the the mountain of, like, establishing that it was a thing. And now uh, we're able to, I don't want to say coast, but right. a, a lot of that initial work still, like, did what it was supposed to and has paid off and brings people to our space to work, which is why we were there in the first place. Did you guys have to ever move to virtual like sessions when someone just send you something and no? Not extensively. There's definitely a couple of things that did end up being done a little bit differently, but not anything out of the ordinary. Uh, but for the most part, uh, you know, for the short time that we were shut down, we were just shut down. Yeah, like everybody else. Yeah. Mm. I took one day to come into the studio and pack up a bunch of keyboards and drum machines and guitar stuff because I knew that we were going to be locked down for a couple weeks. So, you know, enough to keep myself occupied for a couple weeks. Uh, we did find uh, more artists that were doing home recordings in that time uh, that would then come to us for mixing stuff <clears throat> to sort of finish up their projects. And that was sort of a big question on my mind is, you know, if no one can play music, if everyone's locked down, like, is there really a need for a recording studio? Uh, and in that instance, you know, people who took that time to 
take some first steps into getting into recording their own stuff or whatever, still ended up looking for, you know, a more professional ear or touch to to finish up the process, which put us into play. And then for me, at the very beginning of like when everything shut down for the pandemic, <laughs> I was in the hospital for a non-COVID related, non-life threatening thing that, you know, lasted about, you know, I was in the hospital for about a month uh, and, you know, all went well, but it, you know, definitely took my mind away from like, what can I do at the studio during this time to, you know, keep going and, and be productive, uh, but also, you know, distance from people. So that was an interesting time for me as well. Uh, yeah. So I, I have my own home studio. I'm a, I have a degree in composition myself. One of the things that have always confused me as a producer is mastering. Because it's... <laughs> I am once again asking, what is mastery? <laughs> is, isn't that always a struggle? It, a little bit? It is. Uh, the way that I always explain it to people is... Uh, like Most people understand what mixing a song means. You take the instruments and you, you mix them together <laughs> so that you know together they make the song. Mastering is kind of the 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 record version of that you take you know 12 songs or whatever and you you make them into a cohesive experience from beginning to end by you know making sure the levels are all there uh the like the frequency spectrum is you know similar uh and and there's just like a whole lot of uh judgmental things that go into it cuz not every not every record is mastered the same way and needs the same thing. So it's always dependent on the actual song, the composition and the mix as to what you're going to do. But uh, mastering is also responsible for, you know, the amount of time that elapses between songs. And usually when, you know, when does track two switch to track three, you know, mm -hmm. if you were to you know play a CD or whatever uh, and, and all of that extra stuff, the, the clerical stuff, the metadata, uh, usually falls on the mastering engineer, uh, and it's kind of like, like quality control, last step of the process, uh, fresh set of ears usually on fresh speakers in a in a room designed specifically for it. So there's you know the quality control aspect. So even if it's even if it's uh, this mix is great, like I wouldn't change anything. Like that's a worthy uh, opinion to have from somebody. But you know there's a lot that goes into mixing that, you know, might be missed. Like, you know, maybe the, the, the vocal needs DS or something. And, you know, that's something that can also be done in mastering. So it's just a whole lot of, uh, potential things to happen, but no one like exact, this is what it is. Right. Of course, ma uh, mastering is a process for each different, uh, song and you have to figure it out and it's very tedious sometimes. Right. How do you find a fresh pair of ears? Uh, usually, the it, the ideal scenario would be for the mastering engineer to have, uh, like a complete fresh perspective on the music by not being a part of it before. So, like if you record and mix a song, you hear it played a bunch of times, you hear the demo a bunch of times, you hear you know every single take, uh, and you just hear the song like you know 2000 times or something crazy like that and then when you mix it you're just like constantly listening to it and 
then when you get to the end, you know, it's hard to like, uh, like broaden your scope on it. So you're still, when you hear it, you're still thinking about the compression you put on this, the EQ you put on this, did I do too much to this? You're not really hearing it as, you know, the one singular thing that it has become. You're so narrowed into the, all the stuff you did to make it sound like that that you can't hear it as a whole piece. It's right. hard to be objective. Yeah, so when yeah. you're not a part of that process, when you hear that song, you're not thinking about all the small things. You're thinking about the song. Like, what does this song need? And not like, you know, did I, did I have the parallel compression on the drums too loud? Or, you know, is that the right type of reverb for this? Because you have no control over any of that stuff. Uh, and it's the you know, first experience of all of it. And then, uh, you know, things play on different speakers, different ways. You perceive them in a different room differently. Uh, really? Yeah. So just having somebody with a complete new circumstances all around to be the last one to to have any sort of effect on that song is really important. I didn't know that uh, different room settings could, unless I guess, well, I guess if you don't have in-ears, that would make sense then. Right. Do you test them with uh, headphones too? Yeah. I usually reference on headphones, uh, usually for like spatial things and panning reasons, uh, but I try not to make any like definitive moves wearing headphones. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's one easy way to you know deal with the not having the room sound. But also, it's important to have a room sound. You just have to have a tamed room sound, like a, a tailored room sound, uh, to experience music in. Because that's the way you know a lot of music is consumed in a in a space. You know, there's also a lot of headphones as well, which is why it's important to reference. But you know, I'll do headphones. I'll do Bluetooth headphones. I'll do the car. I'll do on my phone. I'll do the Bluetooth speaker at home. I'll do the stereo at home. So like, whenever you reference something, it's it's important to kind of like get a, a well-rounded experience on on all of the normal systems you have. So how do you judge uh, when something needs needs a fix based off the speaker it's played off of? Uh, it could be a, a bunch of different ways, but usually if you experience the song you're working on on a system you're familiar with listening to lots of other things on, like you get to know what things typically sound like on that system. Mm. So when you listen to your song and it's just like, you know, something's not quite right, you know, it, in with all of these other songs that, ha, you know, you love to listen to on this system, that's when you know, like, you can make some changes. And it's also just like a perspective thing too. When you're sitting, you know, in the studio and you've got your speakers, like, yeah, it's like a, a great listening environment or whatever, but your perspective is like, I'm working on this, I have control over anything that I want, and you're not really experiencing just the music as well. So just by even like going out to the car and playing the song through my speakers in my car, where I have no ability to tweak the, the snare drum sound or something right now, it's just like a completely different objective experience. Mm. That's, that's a good way to put it, yeah. Good answer. Good answers. Yeah, so... I'm curious, what programs do you use, do you recommend for people who might want to just record something at home and then send it over to a professional? Whatever you're comfortable with. <laughs> yeah, if it sounds good, it doesn't matter how it was made. Well, 
for me, I've always used Pro Tools, and anytime I go on anything else, I feel like a bumbling idiot. Uh, but you know, most of them are really good professional quality, and it's all about uh, your your mental flow, your actual workflow. Uh, you know what it is you're trying to accomplish. Everything you know, everything's essentially the same, but does it a little bit differently. So whatever you're comfortable with. How do you keep yourself into a, how do you get yourself started into a workflow with everything that can distract you nowadays from your phone, from notifications on the computer, etc. How do you get yourself isolated from that and into a solid workflow? Uh it's been a little bit of trial and error, I guess. I've tried putting my phone on airplane mode or charging in another room. We don't really have any notifications that pop up on our computer. Uh, you know, having someone that trusts us to come in and work on their stuff is a gift for mm -hmm. sure. So trying to repay that with intention and attention to what we're doing is just the move. So and it, enough to make it work for me, typically. Uh, for me, I think it's important to, like, take small breaks really often. Mm. So... It's it's easy to not feel like you're missing out on, you know, whatever it is that is your vice uh, by, you know, every every hour, take a 10 minute break. And it's, you know, it's good for your brain. It's good for your ears. Uh, you know, it's good for productivity. And it just, uh, you know, it's not not too hard for me to just like, you know, put my phone across the room or I usually just like flip it upside down uh, and then like get in the zone for a while. And then when it's time to, you know, take a quick ear break, you can do whatever you want, grab some coffee, check your phone. Speaking about uh, ear breaks, ear protection is very important. How do you guys keep your ears protected? And that way you can keep your the uh, frequency uh, spectrum that you need to work on the music. I've been forced to be more mindful of that lately because after years of playing, I've noticed a difference in my hearing. Uh, not enough to stop work from coming out well, but like just getting older and noticing that my ears are more sensitive, I would definitely advocate for all younger folk out there listening to just get ahead of it and wear earplugs when you're playing, practicing, attending a show, whatever. Yeah, uh... I also was not good at it for a long time. Uh, I also really didn't enjoy uh, like playing live with, you know, ear protection or a of any kind. Uh, but you know, lately over the last couple of years, definitely you know forced myself to figure out how to how to be comfortable with that. And now there's you know a big box of earplugs on the shelf. There's a couple of packs of earplugs in the in the tour box, you know, there's earplugs in every back pocket of every pants I've ever had. There's, you know, probably 15 in the dryer right now. They're just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there was like a stigma years ago, you know, like, oh, it looks so lame wearing earplugs. <laughs> what? <laughs> I said it looks, you know, it's not, it's not worth losing your hearing over. It certainly isn't. And they also make like, they're, you know, more expensive, obviously, but they make ones that can, like, take the decibel levels down but not change, like, the frequency as much. And, you know, I just go for good old-fashioned foam ones because I can't be trusted with expensive ones anyway. Same. Mm. Yeah, I've been forced to buy the decibel ones. The, like, they're, like, 40 bucks at a guitar center. But, oh, my gosh, do they make a great 
an incredible difference. Because I, I noticed I had really good hearing when I was a kid. I, if there are some people, um, you know, when your phone goes off, it buzzes, right? I would be in the car and someone's phone would go off, like buzzing. And I'd be like, whose phone is that? And they'd be like, what? And like someone's phone is ringing. And they're like, how in the world did you ever hear that out of, you know, from driving in a car? Right. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you, you know, I know I had good hearing, but now I I'm realizing that I I'm slowly losing that, over and it's probably because I've been going out to shows for the past year constantly. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's like a a thing that happens naturally to everybody anyway. anyway yeah. But why you know why make it go quicker if you can you know keep it at a normal slow pace of of hearing loss. Yeah. <laughs> normal slow pace of hearing loss. <laughs> Well, it's the battle for musicians anyway, isn't it? Totally. Is is the hearing loss, and you got to deal with it. Bach dealt with it by just... <laughs> you know the story of... Uh, no, it's Beethoven who lost his hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and one funny story about that is he was conducting a piece of his, and he had to rely on like the first violinist to tell him when to stop because he couldn't, <laughs> he, because he couldn't hear anything. <laughs> stop. No more. No turn, more. Turn around and bow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. So um, I'm curious, what is one thing, you guys have been doing this for eight years now, what is one thing that you know now that you wish you had known when you first started or some advice to, to those who are just starting now? Everything. Everything. Uh, for me, it would be uh, never, like, never get comfortable, I guess. Because even, even after all of these years, I still feel like there's something every you know, couple of weeks where I'm like, I learned something new and I'm so excited about it. And I just like show everybody I know, like, look at this thing that I just learned. It's so cool. Uh, and you know, just not to lose that. Yeah. Uh, to hold on to the excitement of learning new things about it because you're going to keep learning. There's always something new. No one knows everything. Uh, John's put me on to listening to podcasts with engineers or producers uh and it's always cool to hear a new perspective on a way to approach something or exciting to hear that someone that you admire like does something in a similar way that you do sort of like you know reaffirming uh but yeah i, be- I guess basically the same answer is just keep at it keep growing keep being curious how do you guys deal with burnout or do you guys deal with burnout <laughs> I got no time for burnout. <laughs> I mean, you know, inflation's crazy. Bills go up. You got to make it work and figure out a balance that works for yourself so that you can pay your bills and enjoy your time. And that's sort of like an ever-changing equation, I think. I mean, we definitely have our moments of like, you know, there's there's so much happening right now. How do we keep up on all this? Uh, but for the most part, we, we just like figured out uh, – a way to keep the work-life balance uh, somewhat normal, uh, and it you know it it's tough because the schedules are always different. It's not like mm. you know we only do you know this, and then you know at at five o'clock you know we're done with everything because then there's usually like a band practice or you know all kinds of different things to do otherwise. But for the most part, it's just you know forcing yourself to have have boundaries and giving yourself a break like like you sh- you deserve to have you know not feeling bad 
if you know you you take a second day off in a row hmm. just to like you know enjoy life you know i think that's really important yeah a big one for me personally has been trying to figure out how to schedule work at like a sustainable pace mm. so that it's not like way too much or you know like if someone hits you up for a session my initial inclination is always like all right what's the next day that i could like possibly have a free second to get this person in uh, you know, evolving that thought process to be more like, I'm going to take, you know, that day off. What's your next week like? Right. Or whatever. Just trying to pace things at a more sustainable rate to prevent getting burnt out. That's something I've learned uh, recently because the the past week I went at least one and a half weeks straight of having a guest every single week. And I'm an introvert. I don't know how you guys are. What, what, introvert. But, yeah, <laughs> but um, not only did I have to have the podcast people, so I, I am meeting strangers that I don't really know that well. It would be different if it was like friends. Yeah, but um, like people I had known for a longer time. But after that, I have I teach children how to swim. That's like my day job, and so having to deal with like ten hours of dealing of talking to people constantly oh my gosh i'm i was tired i'm still i'm finding myself yawning after the fact even though i'm gotten like eight hours of sleep i'm like just physically and mentally tired i i definitely get that uh it usually comes with you know when we're playing out a lot uh we have like a bunch of different bands in, like we're doing all kinds of stuff uh you know it's not uncommon for me to have a day where it's just like don't look at the phone don't talk to me uh, you know i'm just gonna do what i want i usually like go on a drive by myself or something and just just like absorb things and unwind and you know not have to 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 worry about you know anything else other than what is you know in your head is kind of nice every once in a while so did you guys say what you guys were introverts i guess i'm sort of a mix but you have your moments yeah i'm forever an introvert <laughs> how do you deal with I guess that's what, that's your answer then. How, how do you deal with being an introvert just by forcing yourself to take yourself out of the situation? I I think what we do, I I sort of feel like if I didn't do this, you know, I would be uh, way more of an introvert. But a lot of times, you know, this does force me to get out of my, you know, comfort zone and and do things that I wouldn't normally do uh, and, you know, make friends that I wouldn't normally make because I wouldn't be in those situations. Uh, so it is it is kind of nice. And, and I think about it all the time, especially with, you know, playing in a band. Uh, you know, you go out and you, you meet other people, you meet other bands, you experience things that you probably wouldn't have otherwise. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why this is an important part of my life is it forces me to do that. Yeah, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I when I was uh in college, I had my roommate and he would literally drag me out to events. And if it hadn't been for that, I would I probably would have been doing this podcast being dragging other people out to talk about their life cuz you know, talking talking is, is it's a lot of energy for an introvert. Yeah. It is. Definitely. So it's it's always been a lot of fun to uh, grab people, and it's always it's it's always funny that it always seems to be the introverts know where to go if they want to be an introvert. It's always the music engineers. It's all, it's always the like lighting tech. It's always 
It's always the people that aren't the front man. Yeah, behind the scenes folks. Yeah, that's why that's why you never uh what it was funny, I went to Roots and Blues. Did you guys go to Roots and Blues over the weekend? I did. I did not. Oh, I was well. in town. Well, it was it was awesome. And I went so I'm trying to trying to collect business cards, you know, because Roots and Blues, there's a, a bunch of musicians going on everywhere and I want to talk to them all. However, there's also the uh the other aspect of the lighting technicians, but whenever I went up to them, they're like <laughs> Stay away from me. I'm not, I can't be bothered. <laughs> Good on them. Sometimes you got to protect your space. Yeah, no, for real though. Even if it's from a friendly, you know, non-threatening source. No, I, no I'm, I'm with you there because some, some days people are I, come up to me. I've had straight, this has been a new phenomenon for me. A, a bunch of strangers that I do not know, like legitimately, will come up to me like, oh, I saw you on the podcast. I'm like, awesome, but... See you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's so. How do you guys? What are some future projects and plans for you guys? Uh, do you have any artists that you are especially uh, excited to work with? Beach Dream. Beach Dream. Beach Dream. <laughs> Is that all you can say about that? Beach Dream. Beach Dream. Is that a band or an album? Okay. It's a band that we love working with. Uh, we put out a couple songs with them, I guess, last year at this point, and they have some plans to come back and work on some new ones. They're great guys, really talented. They love food as much as us. Lunchtime is <laughs> always exciting. Uh, that's probably close to the top of my list. Also, uh, Shaw Calhoun, he's a hip-hop artist from uh, Silver Springs, Maryland that we've been working with. He's coming back to do some more work with us. I'm a super big fan of, of his stuff, so that's got me excited. What about you, John? Same. Same? <laughs> I'm just going to go with same. One of the bands that I, I really uh, love is For the River. Hey. You guys, you guys have uh, started working with them on their Dave Matthews project? Dave Matthews' dads. Making me sad. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, they've been fun to work with. Uh, I've known some of them for a very long time and the rest of them for a very short time but you know they've been real fun to work with uh and they've kind of challenged themselves to release a single every month yeah uh, so they've been you know figuring out the best way to do that while you know also being husbands and dads. boyfriends dads you know Dave Matthews dads uh you know working full-time jobs uh but they've been killing it they usually figure out Every every song has been a little different. Like we've done some drums for for some of it. Uh, we did, I guess, the most of the one song. Uh, but for the most part, you know, it's just little stuff here and there. They'll come in on, you know, for a couple of hours an evening and do some vocals. And yeah, it's been it's been fun to watch them meet meet their challenge and kill it. I just saw the other day they made it to ten thousand Spotify listeners. It did. Yeah. It did. Yeah. Yeah. That's. <clears throat> As people who work with bands, they are a great example of a band who's uh, pushing their stuff and promoting really well and building their following. Seeing that kind of number for a band that we're recording is exciting because that means that our work is getting out to a lot of ears. Yeah. I think it's a good example of what I mentioned earlier about, you know, not not obsessing in, on small things and end up not releasing stuff. You know, they gave themselves a challenge to release a single a month. And I don't know if they're like, to the day, but <clears throat> excuse me, 
but at least like you know to the month they've been they've been cranking them out and yeah it's it's always been fun to set challenges for yourself uh once upon a time i I did a music challenge where I had to create a song within two weeks, so the first week would be based on lyrics and the second week would be just based on music and forcing myself to pump those out and be okay with the not okay ness <laughs> of putting out a song has really uh opened my mind to that. Have you guys ever done a challenge like that for you get for yourselves or I've told myself that I was going to set a challenge like that just to be more productive and haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I admire people who do though because you know, releasing music is a really vulnerable experience. Oh, for sure. Uh so forcing yourself to just like jump out of the plane and do it is pretty amazing, I think. As far as that goes, I haven't really done anything lately and I've never given myself a challenge, but usually if I write something, it like, you know, lives and dies in my brain, you know, mm. on my hard drive kind of thing. But uh, you know, it's a very vulnerable thing and it's one that I am not comfortable going into alone. So I usually like to have some sort of collaborative effort and some sort of like immediate validation that, you know, what I'm doing isn't completely stupid. Yeah, it's really scary to be in that tunnel, you know, like you're writing and composing and, uh, you know, tweaking this song without, in, in a lot of cases, without any outside perspective or whatever. So the, the idea of then just like throwing it out into the light for the world to be like, this is horrible or like, mm -hmm. thank you, this is great. You know, it's going to go yeah. some way. I've never released anything that was 100% me, uh, but kind of the thought of it is terrifying. I, I kind of liken it to, like, you know, the classic dream where you're in the classroom in just your underwear sort of mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. I imagine it would feel like that, and that's that's not something I'm willing to do at this point. It's and it's scary because you can get involved in the numbers and all that jazz, and then you it's a spiral and a half that you can get into. Yeah, well, it's for like sure. for me, it's like terrifying if everybody loves it, and it's terrifying if nobody loves it. Mm. It's terrifying <laughs> if people are indifferent. Why is it terrifying <laughs> if people love it? Why aren't you liking it? Why 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 are you hating on it? Why why is nothing happening? Right. It's because of who I am as a person. Right, it's overthinking is a dangerous job for a musician. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you have to do a lot, you know, some overthinking to an extent just to have some kind of artistic perspective or narrative. You know what I mean? That involves a little bit of overthinking, but knowing where the line is, you know, when you're crossing and just, like, not being productive or, like, obsessing or just, like, holding yourself back with it. I, th I think a little bit of overthinking is just normal thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Overthinking is more thinking than some That's <laughs> really uh, arrive at. And now the word thinking sounds funny because we've said it so many times. Like is thinking about it. Um, well, I mean, because you have to think through all of these different uh, obstacles or uh, things that can happen because it's you know that's just smart marketing if you're if you're if you're thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You want to consider what you're doing. Yeah, see, there you go. You want to consider but, what you're doing. Yeah, not to, like, the point where you're paralyzing yourself or, you know, to the detriment of just putting out honest art. Think thought and thought some more. So what are some of the most complex things that you've ever worked on? Do you guys, uh, do you guys mess around with, like, polymeter or 
polyrhythm, stuff like that. Or just some really cool experimental uh, synth sounds, stuff like that. Uh, for me, the, uh, I have a drum machine sampler. I don't know if you're familiar with the Akai MPCs. I am. I have uh, an MPC 1000, MPC 2000 XL, and MPC 5000. And all of those have uh, sort of changed the way I hear any sound. Uh, you know, the, being able to sample and these machines offer such a flexibility that you can turn something into almost anything. Uh, so that's sort of been my diving into like, all right, what can I do? What's a crazy experiment? What can I make out of this thing that doesn't resemble it at all? Mm. Uh, I think John has a lot more experience with our plugins and that's that's my that that's side. my realm. Yeah, yeah. What's this button do? What's this plugin do? <laughs> what if I turn this to a hundred? Yeah. Yeah, I mean just sitting and taking time with all of the tools at our disposal and seeing what happens has been that, I guess. You know, it's all about it's all about if you have like a what if scenario, just trying it, whether you know it seems stupid or uh you know, somebody says there's no way that can work. You know, it's all about just just trying it and and knowing. And you know, sometimes it's like, oh, well, that actually is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's almost always worth trying. That, and I'm sure there's like, this is not an exact uh, thing, but you know, I'm sure in, like one thing in every song ever has like a like an accidental thing. Like that's not what I try to do, but that that's pretty cool and. You know, that stuff doesn't happen unless you're trying anything. You've yeah. probably experienced that with your own setup. Oh, just absolutely. happy accidents. You're like, okay, let's keep that. Like Bob Ross. Just a little happy accident. Right, yeah. right. Couldn't do it again if I tried, but like, <laughs> right. it's there, so let it alone. So you guys also managed and uh, toured with bands in, in high school. What was that like? Uh, For me... It was just outside of high school. Uh, I went on tour with this band from Pittsburgh called Punchline, uh, who have remained really good friends of mine. This was back in 06. Uh, and it was kind of like a last minute thing where like, I was a fan of the band. I had their, their latest record. Uh, and I heard they were going on tour the next day from a friend who heard it from a friend from a friend. You know that story. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, you know what? I'll call him. I'll see you. You know, I'll see if they'll uh, take me along, and somehow they did, and I left that night. It was a, it was a pretty fun experience. Uh, the the first couple that I did, I you know, I just sold merch, so my responsibilities were that of a merchandiser anywhere really. Uh, and then after that, I did take over the the tour managing duties as well. And you know, it's just all about organization and uh, you know, sparing no detail on anything. So, you know, a couple of days in advance, I would call the promoter and confirm load in times, riders, you know, whatever, you know, what the what the guarantee was. And then at the end of the night, you know, I made sure that the band got paid and everything was, you know, loaded out. And it's just a it's a real good time. Awesome. Well, we're kind of ending out our time. So I have some general questions for you guys. If you guys had one song from your uh, entire playlist. To, for people to listen to, what would it be? <laughs> that is a tough one. Give me top three, maybe top five. 
Uh, high heels. I drive a hearse. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a throwback. Yeah. I'm going to let you keep taking this one. Can I pull up our playlist real quick just for... pull up your playlist and I'll I'll cover the time. A little bit of something to lean on here. Yeah, man. There's been so many things over the years. Even sometimes, you know, plugging in an old hard drive to find something and it's just like you see all the stuff that you worked on years ago that that just like a refresher takes you back. Yeah. Uh, Donut Dipper by Hilltop Gamblers. That's a good one. Classic. Uh... <laughs> this is really tough to do on the spot. Zero That's why mission. I'm you do it. By Zero Mission by Fragile Like Life After. Uh if the name of the song has Okay. Just tell me the artist. How about that one? You mean everyone we know. You mean everyone we know. Yeah, our, one of our band's songs I would say is a great a great one that I would want everyone to hear. It's got a curse word in it, so you'll find it. It do. It do. <laughs> uh, Mystic Chain Park by Traffic Nightmare. And that's five. There you go. It, how about um, artists, the top artists that influence you guys as uh, engineers? Overall, you mean? Overall. Man, that's a tough one, too. Third Eye Blind for their self-titled record. It was the first CD I ever bought. Favorite album of all time. Love the production, love the performances, love the songwriting. Huge influence on the way I hear everything. Uh, I'll stick with a, a comparable one for me would be The Spade by Butch Walker. I, mm. I just like really love the, the songwriting, the style, the, the like vibe of you know doing it live and uh, just pretty much everything about it. Awesome. So what are some mistakes that you guys have made or you've seen other bands make that uh, you could say that, so in order that we don't make those same mistakes again. Uh, <laughs> man, should have gave us a list of these uh, before coming in. Uh, for me, it would probably be uh, understanding that there is no definite, like nothing is is definite. Like there's no one way to do something. There's no like, you know, wrong way to do something. You know, if it sounds good, it sounds good. Uh, and just, you know, accepting, you know, when you learn something, it is not definitively the way. Mm. Because that's when you get, like, you get stale. You kind of, like, don't progress as a person or as an engineer or as a musician when it's just, like, I do this because this is the way it's done. It's just, it never is like that. It's, you know, helpful guides, but never the way. My answer is basically the same. Uh, the practice of staying open to possibilities and whatever happens around, you know, going with the flow and really being all about the journey as opposed to a destination because there is no destination. The destination is the journey. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, trying to be present and open to what comes your way on the spot. I believe the universe takes you where you're supposed to go. So just enjoy the ride. It's like every step of the process is more of like a critical thinking thing than like a checklist thing. Mm. So, you know, deciding, you know, what it is to best get you from where you are to where you need to be next is, you know, just keeping that mindset at literally every step of the way. Oh, with all that said, this has been the Kaleidoscope 
on the podcast. If you want to check out their work or hit them up, please do check the links in the description. We have their Facebook. We have their Spotify playlist to check out all the stuff that they've worked on. And if you really want to support us or follow us, you can follow up, follow me at the story podcast, Corey Rosen. That's C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N. You can follow that on all streaming platforms and on Facebook. If you go on Facebook and our Instagram, the underscore story underscore podcast, you can find out all of our future guests. We have some future guests coming on in the future at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm having to pull myself future up. Future guests coming on in the future. Yeah. <laughs> we have uh, a guy named Ethan Horning. He's a uh, a awesome DJ that I have had the pleasure to work with. He's coming on this Saturday at 3. And I might also have another guest coming on uh, that, you know, you guys know Bobby Gentello? Yeah. Yeah. He's an, he's an awesome dude, an awesome guitarist, man. And I think I might be having him that Saturday as well at 6 o'clock. We'll see, we'll see how that pans out. Future man. Future man on future days. With all that said, if you really want to support us, you can share, like, subscribe, and you can, if you're feeling really generous, you can uh, help us out with buying merchandise. We have stickers, and we have shirts and hoodies with the logo on the front and the first 50 guests, including the kaleidoscope, on the back. With all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the day, and we will see you guys whenever. Thank you. In the future. In the future with future guests.